Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is series 3, episode 27 of this daily study podcast. Thank you very much for joining us as we continue with our study and conclude it today of the January the 18th to January the 24th section covering Doctrine and Covenants sections 3 to 5, My Work Shall Go Forth. And we're going to conclude Doctrine and Covenants 5 today looking at how I can gain my own witness of the Book of Mormon. So we went through the context of this section yesterday and why we have it, and we began looking at it. So let's go straight in, uh, into verse 11. Um, the Lord reveals to Joseph Smith that there will be indeed an opportunity for three individuals uh, to witness the plates and to see the things which um, Joseph Smith has seen uh, in relation to these plates. In verse 11 it says, And in addition to your testimony, the testimony of three of my servants whom I shall call and ordain, unto whom I will show these things, and they shall go forth with my words that are given through you. Um, this is obviously a wonderful opportunity uh, that Joseph Smith is given because he is clearly, you know, going through this challenge of being the only individual that has seen these things. Um, and President Alan Hate Jokes says this, quote, People who deny the possibility of supernatural beings may reject this remarkable testimony. But people who are open to believe in miraculous experiences should find it compelling. The solemn written testimony of three witnesses to to what they saw and heard, two of them simultaneously and the third almost immediately thereafter, is entitled to great weight. Indeed, we know that upon the testimony of one witness, great miracles have been claimed and accepted by many religious people. And in the secular world, the testimony of one witness has been deemed sufficient for weighty penalties and judgments. Close quote. The fact is, is that, you know, if one, there is many, there's precedent in history that when one person has claimed to see something or experience something, there's been some credit attached to this. But the fact that there is three more people who have not only seen the plates for themselves, but also seen the angel and seen great, a great vision in relation to this, that, that it's not just a physical uh, thing, that it's a spiritual um, instrument or a spiritual um, a piece of equipment. Um, that that gives us even more reason to believe. The testimony of the eight witnesses, I think, is is not included in this because that's more of a physical witness. They didn't see an angel. They didn't see marvel- a marvellous vision in, in connection to it. They simply saw and handled the plates. And if we just had the, the testimony of the eight witnesses and their physical experience with it, then people would, might say, oh, well, yeah, that fair enough. They, there was plates. I mean, I think it's pretty much, you know, undenied now that, that there were some sort of plates that Joseph had even by his critics. Um, but you could easily argue against that, saying, well, Joseph must have made them or found them. You know, he did find them, but they're not like scripture or anything like that. But the fact that these three witnesses saw the plates and an angel testifying to them that it is the work of the Lord, that is important. That's the spiritual witness that we have from these three witnesses. Um, and in verse 12, as it says, the A, they will know of a surety that these things are true, for from heaven will I declare it unto them. And... We know that Oliver Cowdery, Martin Harris and David Whitmer, you know, they, they never did redact or, you know, refuse what they had said as in their witness as, as one of the three witnesses. Um, we know that all of them, and we say this often, but we know that all three of them were excommunicated from the church at some point. The two of them did indeed return and one never did. However, not, not one, not one, three of them uh, did, did deny what they had said they had seen as a witness. Um, when it may well have been in their best interest to do so. 
In verse 14, it says, And to none else will I grant this power to receive this same testimony among this generation, in this the beginning of the rising up and the coming forth of my church out of the wilderness. And then I found this interesting. So we, we obviously know that, you know, these three witnesses have been the only ones to have had this particular experience. But this phrase I thought was interesting. Clear as the moon and as fair as the sun and terrible as an army with banners. So the Lord is just describing his church coming out of the wilderness being clear, fair and terrible. And I thought that was an interesting set of uh, adjectives to give his church. Uh, what well, similes really. Clear as the moon, fair as the sun, and as terrible, and terrible as an army with banners. Why terrible? I mean, I think the clear and fair is, you know, it's pretty self-explanatory and understandable. But why would he describe his church as, as terrible as an army of banners? Uh, Orson Pratt said this, quote, So will Zion be clothed upon the glory of her God and armed with the panoply of heaven. And the nations will fear and tremble because of her, for God will be in the midst of Zion. And he have sworn by the power of his might that he will be her refuge, her high tower and her strength. And if he will uphold and sustain her, and if she keep, and he will uphold and sustain her if she keep his commandments in all things. Close quote. I suppose that um, th this is used as a description for the church because it indicates for the nations of the world that if they do not change and repent, then it will be like an army falls upon them. And I suppose that the fact that they can see the church rising in the distance, for those that really look at it and, you know, understand the things that are being taught, they may see it as an oncoming um, change or, or destruction, destruction of the wicked, perhaps, uh, you know, afar off. And I think those banners is an important uh, symbol as well. We talk about the church being an ensign to the nations. And that is obviously uh, linked with armies and lifting up uh, enzymes and stuff so i think that's an interesting uh, analogy the lord puts in there uh, in verse 19 uh, we see how this work is important to prepare the earth and again it links in with what was just shared um, he, the lord says for a desolating scourge shall go forth among the inhabitants of the earth and shall continue to be poured out from time to time if they repent not until the earth is empty and the inhabitants thereof are consumed away and utterly destroyed by my by the brightness of my coming we get some really strong, um, you know, language in terms of what is going to happen if people don't repent uh, in this section. Um, Marion G. Romney uh, said this, quote, The world situation being as it is, I feel impelled to emphasize the fact that as we as already pointed out in with respect with to situations in the past, the Lord saw this one coming. And in, and in harmony with his universal pattern, sounded the warning and prescribed the means of escape. For although the pattern is universal, so that the lesson may be clearly drawn from history, the Lord always warns the people of a new dispensation through prophets raised up unto them in their own day. This he has done for this generation through the great prophet of the restoration, Joseph Smith Jr. Through him, the Lord repeatedly declared that the world was ripening in, in iniquity and that unless men repented, destruction would overtake them. Close quote. I think... Um, we uh we we talk about this this destruction and, and often we talk about it as a fire. Um, I want to make a link here with the Holy Ghost. We talk about the the, the baptism of the, of the Holy Ghost or the confirmation as a, as a baptism, baptism of fire, and then we also get this often get this imagery of fire consuming the earth at the last day. Now, obviously, you know this has been uh, understood as very as, as very destructive um, by by some uh, Christian denominations, but I think that. Our understanding of the Holy Ghost may mean it in another way that 
the earth will be consumed by fire or be consumed by the Holy Ghost and that change will happen through his power. Uh, and those that are not prepared for that change may leave um, or need to leave because they are not ready to stand in that presence. Um, it's just another thought to have, really. Um, and, you know, obviously we're, we're not exactly going to know what, what will happen in the last day or when the Lord uh, comes for the millennium, but uh, we can start to kind of think about those things. Uh, and indeed, Joseph Smith has some changes to make in his life as well. In verse 21, it says, And now I command you, my servant Joseph, to repent and walk more up, more uprightly before me and to yield to the persuasions of men no more. So even now, I mean, obviously he was given a good talking to in section three um, by the Lord. But even now, a number of months later, uh, Joseph is still being told to, to repent. And again, it just shows how we all need to go through that experience. Uh, James E. Faust said this, quote, While Joseph sought perfection, he did not claim perfection. If he were intended, intending to fabricate a great falsehood or wanted to perpetuate a fraud or practice deceit, would he have been so truthful about his own humanness? His complete candor in admitting human frailties and in declaring the loving discipline of God offers powerful proof of his honesty and property. His statements stand on more solid footing because they were de declarations against human nature and admissions against self-interest. We will see often invitations and reminders to the prophet Joseph to repent and to walk more uprightly before the Lord. And this should inspire us to uh, to seek to do the same as well, recognising that he was not perfect and that we often throughout our lives will have to uh, be reminded to repent and invited to do to change. Thank you very much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed this study. Please uh, continue listening to the podcast. Uh, I hope uh, you've enjoyed uh, it so far. Uh, please email uh, lyesterdaysession at gmail.com if you're interested in joining in a future podcast episode. I received such an email this week and I can't set some, can't wait to set something up uh, with, that, with those individuals in a month or so. Uh, and I'd love to, uh, to have more opportunities to do that on Zoom. Thank you very much for your time and until we meet again.